It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to part three of developing your never-ending love story. And uh, Doug Warner and I have done part one and part two together. Welcome back, Doug. Thank you. Um, I kind of want to put a um, a bracket of some sort around part one and part two for those that are listening to part three because we're going to post these a week apart. And uh, that way, everybody will kind of remember what we've talked about. And please go back and maybe listen to them more than once because I personally feel, and I think Doug feels, that mm-hmm. this is very, very important if you want to build a relationship that can honestly and truly take you through your lifetime. And one of the things that um, I mentioned in part one is what would our world look like if it was truly based on love? Uh, love of one another, love of our planet, love of the animals on the planet. You know, if we understood that from a very deep level, you know, that is why we are alive, is to love one another and to love the earth and the things that are on the earth around us. Um, In the very first one, I did ask a couple of basic questions. So I want to go over those just slightly. Uh, And one was, did you always feel there was something missing, even though you really loved your partner? And, you know, we've talked, Doug and I have, about the fact that people can get into relationships that are just basically ruts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, they're comfortable. Um, Nobody pushes anybody. Nobody encourages anybody to think outside that box. You come home, you have dinner, you watch some television, you go to bed, you get up and you start the routine all over again. But, um, you know, that's one of the uh, questions is that you know that there's something missing, but you basically don't want to do anything to change that because change is difficult for everybody. The second question was, is communication difficult? You know, was sharing your feelings with that other person painful because you yourself didn't even know what you wanted? So, I mean, if you're going to sit down with somebody and say... I'm not very happy, but I don't know the reason why. You know, I think that person is going to go, well, when you figure it out, <laughs> let me know. Give me a call. <laughs> Give me a call. <laughs> um, the third one was, does it feel like the task is simply overwhelming? And it might be easier, you know, to just pack it up and leave. And I would say that the majority of people, I don't know about you, but I think the majority of people honestly get there where they just go, it's just not worth it. You know, we're going to fight. We're going to have hard feelings. We're going to hurt each other. It's easier just to call the divorce attorney or just to separate. I think you see more of that. Well, statistics show you we see more of that happening over and over. And I think our, the mores of our society and um, have loosened mm-hmm. to a degree where it makes it much easier. And there, there's a pro and con to that. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's a good thing. Some people are not locked into, and I think especially women are not locked into, let's say an abusive relationship or something because right. and they're not marked as oh you know, being divorced is a bad thing and i, I think there's a, the, we've come we've come a long way to giving people freedom mm-hmm. but also with that freedom is you might not have that that stick to itness right it's too easy to walk away right as opposed to sitting there and you know 
work the details out. Right. Well, I, you know, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, yeah. well, I mean, women couldn't take care of themselves. They right. needed, and they didn't have the villages anymore. Mm. It wasn't like the Native American villages where if you're a warrior didn't come home, they absorbed you into right. another uh, family. Right. Um, we don't have that anymore. So, yeah. I mean, you better have a way of taking care of yourself and maybe children if you're going to walk out. Well, it's a disposable society. It is. It is, we, which know, is sad. If it doesn't, you know, it isn't as shiny as it was when I first got it. I'm going to mm -hmm. go get another one. Right, right, exactly. And, you know, age does that to everybody. And uh, we talked a little bit last time about the physicality that, you know, mm -hmm. after you've had one or, one or two children, sometimes women uh, will look at their bodies and go, you know, I'm not as attractive mm -hmm. as I once was. And it doesn't mean that you aren't. It's the perception that you aren't. Right. Um, for men, you know, the same thing happens. So receding hairlines, going bald, you know, maybe not as, uh, um, you know, muscular as you mm -hmm. once were, not as strong. So the virility factor, you know, fits mm -hmm. in with men. But we did talk about these four legs, and that was the mental, the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual. And we touched on the mental and the physical and the um, emotional already, but I kind of want to wrap that up a little mm -hmm. bit too before we move on to the spiritual side of it and show how all of them work together. Mm -hmm. So people who are in a relationship where the legs, you know, are not in balance, and you and I've talked about the fact that if you're at a restaurant and a table is wobbly, they'll put a pack of sugar or matches or something mm -hmm. underneath to try to balance it. But if you lived with a wobbly relationship day in and day out it would be annoying you know there mm -hmm. you, there wouldn't be a way to uh, constantly be fixing it and so you grow apart so that's why i said the the legs here are um perpetually being filled mm -hmm. and um i mentioned to you in the as we got ready to start a man by the name of <clears throat> excuse me bruce lipton he's a phd and he's um neuroscientist, uh, quantum physicist, he's, he's fascinating to hear. But one of the things that he pointed out, <coughs> excuse me, was the fact that um, we from the last trimester of our pregnancy, um, you know, when you're six months in utero, moving into the last, the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth, up until you're seven years old, you are getting information from the outside world. So family, maybe teachers, preschool, kindergarten, friends, other relatives, and you're like a great big sponge, just absorbing everything. From the time you're seven going forward, you basically are intellectualizing all of your life. And we get into creativity only 5% of the time. So the reason I'm mentioning that is that this program, these three parts, are asking you to think creatively, understanding that we do have these four legs and we have the ability to fix our problems if we're willing to do the work. But that's the key. We have to be willing to change and think outside that box and have that 5% factor working for us instead of just looking at the intellectual of why it's not working. What would make it work? And I think this type of system would make it work 
if we learn to use it properly. So on the mental leg, you know, the, the fact that we are learning constantly, we hear things all day long, we see things all day long, share them. You know, share them with your spouse, with your partner. Every day, find something positive to share. And resiliency, we've talked mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. The fact that it's incredibly important, you know, to come back even after difficulties because on that mental part, you've got to talk about what you went through. You can't just ignore it and sweep it under the rug. Right. Because right. that'll bring you closer. And how many times do families have a loved one die you know, that they were very close to, and they don't want to talk about it anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, and that isn't very healing for anybody. No. Um, collaboration and compromises, critical, mm -hmm. you know, with that. Uh, being open to change. So that was kind of on that mental side. On the emotional leg of it, um, we talked about vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you mentioned, and maybe you can talk about this for a second, but the importance of getting naked with one another and not just in a physical sense. Yeah. No, you, you, you've got a, that's a trust factor. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, a, it's harder often for guys to, uh, in quotes, metaphorically get naked uh -huh. with anyone mm -hmm. um, because there's a potential that it may be, you may be perceived as weak or flawed um, and this type of thing. And coming from a business model, that would be uh, death, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. You you always want to be you know put your game face on, mm -hmm. you know, regardless of what's going on inside. But when you're in a relationship, it needs to be based on trust. I'm going to I'm going to entrust you with this information or this knowledge about me, right. and I hope you I hope you honor that. <laughs> so, do you think that guys? I mean, when we're looking at this. Um, emotional leg. Do you think guys are even afraid to go home and share that vulnerability of the business world, you know, in front of their family members? Well, I think they are. I think a lot of times, and, and part of it, it, there's a practicality to this too. Mm -hmm. um, in, if, I'm going to use a, a military model, if you will. If the if the one spouse or the other is in quotes the breadwinner, for instance, mm -hmm. okay? They don't want to come home and think about a commander doesn't want to reflect weakness to the troops. Sure. Because sure. their ability to perform, their confidence in how this whole thing's being run is based on, okay, there's this person in this relationship who they got the answers or they're, they're holding it together. Right. So you don't want to come home with the children, with the spouse, whether it's the, whichever spouse it is, and give the impression you're falling apart or give the impression you know it's an it becomes an impression thing and a lot of times guys historically um you know they suck it up and i know women now who are running family they're they're the breadwinners and they're doing the same thing mm -hmm. so it's they want to keep everybody calm and collect in in the in the family but there's got to be an avenue mm -hmm. in the relationship whoever initiates it where you know, you, you get together and say, okay, listen, we're not going to talk about this with the kids right now or whomever. We're not going to discuss our finances with the rest of the family, but this is, this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. Or here are my fears. Mm -hmm. Here are my concerns. And, you know, in this last year in 2020 with COVID mm -hmm. and everything, I think the fears escalated for so many families because they were going to lose their business or they lost their job or yep. something. 
And, you know, where does that male or female go then to get support emotionally? You know, they, it's like maybe a friend, yeah. maybe talking to a pastor at a church. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they don't have their partner to talk with. And so that has to be so difficult and not being able to know that you can find shelter, let's mm-hmm. say, within the arms of your partner, knowing that they're there for you. Right, right. I, I think it's, it, it's, not a, it's not an easy thing to do mm-hmm. for anyone. Um, you know, the stiff upper lip, we want to drive forward and, and you know, the, we do need to do, I, we have to do that sometimes. Right. But we have to also have, that's the beauty of a relationship that works, is that it's a refuge. Right. It's a place where you can take off the mask, take off the costume, sit down, and just be, and just be. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Can you, if you're with someone, can I just be? Not be something right. or someone, but can I just be right. comfortably and know that whatever that looks like, we can, we can navigate that. Right. And just, again, knowing that that person is your port exactly in a storm so if you're going through the storm be it male or female that you have a port that you can get to um and i i think a lot of times that doesn't happen you know the the wife or the husband either one may walk in that front door to be met with chaos and they've come from chaos and now there's no place (laughs) for them to go there's no safe safe haven there's no no sacred space I think one of the things I found too, and this is a, can be an age group idea or issue, mm. is that it's not just, it often is both partners coming from paradigms that they grew up with. Mm-hmm. You know, the husband didn't want to hear about the whatever, you know, the vacuum cleaner's broken. The wife didn't want to hear about his problem, you know, the problems at the office. And they, we've been, we've been trained by parents and society, whatever on playing these roles and you know no i don't you know the husband's supposed to do that or the wife's supposed to do that or the other person you know and i i've I've seen that we have to break those models we you know i didn't marry my mother you didn't marry your father right exactly and but we also heard leave it at work and leave it at work but you know i have yet to meet um many people that can actually leave it at work. No, I don't think anybody can because on that cellular level, whatever vibrations were hitting us throughout the day, we're taking them home. It's not like you can do a vacuum job and leave them at work. Well, the first thing I do, I mean, I do body work and, and, and this type of thing. The first thing I do when I come home is I take a shower. Ah, uh, get it all And off. it's energy. It's just kind of, right. it's, a, it's, a, it's a metaphor, it's a ritual, but it's also... I'm getting rid of all that energy. Right. Not to say it was bad energy, but right. it's not it mine. It's not your energy. It's not mine. Right. And and kind of come then I'm then I'm fresh. And this is a perfect segue. It's something that we talked about earlier. But this Bruce Lipton, um, PhD that I was mentioning earlier, I love this example, and I think it fits so well with our four legs. Is that um, we are virtual reality suits. You know, our bodies are just that. So energy we are. And you accept energy from your clients throughout the day. And that's great that you take a shower when you come home and you leave it in the shower. It's down the drain. (laughs) But um, a lot of people don't do that. Mm -hmm. And so they've got all of these just different energies that are on them. 
and they walk in the door with maybe somebody who isn't their best friend, you know, energetically, still with them. Sure. And so one of the things that Bruce points out is that, you know, this um, way he was describing it is that if we consider ourselves spirits or souls, Mm -hmm. you know, that come into life and we have to have a vehicle. And so this virtual reality suit that we're in is our vehicle. But that's how we experience life then through, you know, our ears, our eyes, our nose, our mouth, our fingers, our toes. You know, we touch, we smell, we hear, we see, you know, we taste. And that gives us feedback as to who we are. But when we leave our bodies someday, that doesn't mean that we necessarily end. You know, we are still vibrational frequencies that are around. And a lot of people will say that after somebody has died that they love, that they felt their presence. And I think that's the energetic presence. You know, for a while that person may not leave. And then when it's time, they do. So that that energetic presence that we all have, that Mm -hmm. part of us, is we have access to that every day of our lives. Yes. And it's that intuitive, we call it heart knowing, Mm -hmm. intuitive consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it is another way of knowing. And it's also another place for us to make decisions, the big decisions. Yeah. If we can tap into that, that intuitive consciousness to make those decisions, then, and also that's, that is a field of intersection between two people. So making decisions with the heart you as make opposed to the, to the intellect. If you're, putting, if you're hanging pictures and you need to know what kind of screw, screwdriver you, ha- you need, you don't need to go into a heart <laughs> right. and say, I need a Phillips or a flathead. Right. Your, your, your intellect's going to be able to answer that. Mm-hmm. But if you're making a decision, um, you know, some of the bigger things, you know, relationship-oriented, you know, is this the right person? Should I move to Chicago for this job? These kinds of big things that you're going and. I think everyone probably out there has done this in their lives is that you had a big decision to make and we collect our data. Okay. We Google it. We ask our friends, we ask our you know, colleagues, we research, we do our research, collect our data. You go to the make the decision on paper, decision a on paper, decision a looks the best, but mm-hmm. you've got this gut feeling, this heart feeling that that's not the right one. Mm-hmm. And how many times have people, I'm going to ask the audience here too. Have you gone with the intellect, the data from the, you know, the intellectual approach, and ignored the heart? And how did that work for you? Mm-hmm. And flip it around. You another decision comes up. You collect your data, and the data says go. The intellectual um, part of you says go go left, and your heart says no. I think I should go right. And you listen to your heart. And how did that work for you? Right. And if we can get two people who learn together how to access that heart knowing, Mm -hmm. then we're making decisions from another place. Right, right. And that that is... That's that's the part that survives us. Right. And and that is, I don't know, I guess if I were going to say on the emotional leg that we've Mm -hmm. been looking at, you know, learning to communicate Mm -hmm. with each other from that heart level and not intellectualize things. I mean, how many times... I have heard parents do this over and over again, and I kind of cringe. And I've heard adults say it to one another, too. Um, You know, that, oh, things will get better. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's intellectualizing. Sure. Focus on something that is coming up that is going to be a wonderful experience. Don't mm-hmm. focus on where you are right now. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an intellectual process, but it's not reaching that person emotionally through the heart and saying, I feel your pain. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people are uncomfortable doing that because there's so much in their heads that that's where they like to be. They, they just want to find a quick solution and move on rather than have to deal with any kind of emotional pain. Yeah, I agree. So, all right, then we touched on the physical and not so much the sexual itself, the intimacy part of it, but we touched on the physical last time. And, um, you know, as a trained professional therapist, I can't tell you the number of times that I did marriage counseling where um, usually it would be the guy who would say, well, if we just made love more often, our relationship would improve. Not understanding that the frequency of intimacy is directly in relationship to how much time are you spending together? You know, mm-hmm. where is where are you emotionally together? Are you sharing other experiences that are not necessarily tied to the bedroom? You know, going for walks, watching sunsets, um, you know, taking time to just maybe be with each other, um, you know, affectionately, but not necessarily leading to anything beyond that. So um, we talked about health, mm-hmm. that if people don't have their health, it's extremely difficult to be physical in any way, mm-hmm. even to walk. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, if you don't have your health, you're not going to go for walks. Right. Um, stress. I mean, you said that that is uh, the uh, elephant. That's the elephant in the living room yeah. for, for so many people. Stress yeah. and it takes makes everything difficult. It, it I, I mean, makes communication difficult because you're afraid. It doesn't take a lot to trip people's wires mm-hmm. and become reactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, when you're on edge, then, yeah, it, it's definitely one of the th- first things with what I do. It's I try to help people address, you know, constant stress. Right. What in the medical world, you call it chronic stress. That's mm-hmm. a medical condition. Right. I call it constant stress. The same idea. It's just stress without resolution. Well, one of the things that I just learned, and I I will share this, is vitamin B, as in boy, Mm -hmm. um, when we're under perpetual stress, we need twice as much because it takes that out of you. Also, vitamin D3, Mm -hmm. dog three, Mm -hmm. um, that's your immune system. And if you're under constant stress again, you can be sitting in the sunshine all day long. But if you're in constant stress, it is going to take your immune system and throw it in the toilet so uh, you know stress is such a physical emotional depleter Mm -hmm. and learning again if you have that emotional uh, component with your spouse that you can share that you know that they're your port in the storm that we talked about Mm -hmm. then you've got you know some more uh, stability let's just say there and if you don't have that because you know, if you share your stress, then it's going to cause this emotional upheaval. Right. Then where do you go? You know, you well, don't have any place to go. So now you're dealing with your stress all by yourself. Right. And that that is exactly where most of the people I work with are. Mm-hmm. And especially in this last year, I oh, mean, stress yeah. compounded on top of stress. So I mean, it's it's not always an easy fix. There's not a magic technique or magic pill. There are things you can learn to do. Mm-hmm. But ideally, you learn to do it together 
with your with your partner right um, so that you're both working with the same tools right so that you can be supportive of each other in managing the stress right you know so yeah you know. and a lot of times it needs to be done face to face as opposed to by phone or texting you know that typically doesn't work very well and sometimes just holding hands or putting a hand on a shoulder mm-hmm. is enough communicates probably more than five notebooks worth of things I could say to somebody, to my spouse. Right, exactly. Um, We also touched on the fact that men and women, um, probably women more so, but they will use, you know, the sexual intimacy part of it as a weapon. That if Mm. you're not going to give me what I want, you're not going to get what Mm. you want. Mm. And you've seen that. Mm. So, um, you know, that's another unfortunate, I guess, um, situation that can occur rather than just learning to hold each other. You know, if it's been a stressful couple of days, you know, maybe the answer is when you go to bed at night, not thinking in terms of I I want to have a sexual release, Mm -hmm. but you're thinking more in terms of I just need to be held. Mm -hmm. I just need that human touch. And that can be um, a bonding agent, a glue that kind of holds the family together. And if, this is a little bit of a corollary, just very briefly. This is, mm-hmm. I think, of, is near and dear to probably every woman that I've ever talked to. Okay. Is one of the things, now I know women do, there are women who do this as well as men, but men have been traditionally um, blamed, if you will, and rightfully so, as being trying to fix things all the time. Mm-hmm. I know so many times my wife would come home from, from work and she just needed to talk, right? And I was listening with preconceived notions in the beginning of our relationship. I was thinking, well, she's telling me this because she wants me to do something about it. <laughs> to fix it for To me. fix it. And, yeah. it, it that, and you know, finally, after communicating to each other and over a few years of saying, Doug, I'm not looking for you to fix it. I would just need you to listen. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we come in together as a, as a partner and people are stressed, it's not my job or her job to fix my stress or her stress. Right. But that reassurance that you're there. You're listening with all your faculties. Mm-hmm. Not just your ears. Right. Right. But you're listening, you know, and with that your could, heart. With your heart. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. You, you may not fix it for them, mm-hmm. but you're there. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of ways to communicate that. You know, often human touch is probably one of the most potent. I, uh, I totally agree with that, too. Um, you know, working with families over the years, I think if um, a father or a mother sometimes will just take a child who's having a tantrum, uh, regardless of the age, and just take their hands or hug them, just yep. hug them really close, it sends the message that, you know, I'm accepting you right where you are, and it's okay. It's going to be okay. And that's another, you know, one of those little methods of, of just being there and understanding that the, most of the time that is what somebody wants is just to know that you're there. You know, mm-hmm. yes, they may be the problem because of their behavior mm-hmm. or whatever, but knowing that they're physically there and that you can fix this um, together, right. you know, it's a, it can be a joint effort and it doesn't have to be you know, you're on your own. I've seen teachers in elementary school, um, when a kid starts to get wiry, mm-hmm. they just come up and put their hand on their back between the shoulder blades. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how that often just calms somebody down. Isn't that interesting? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's magic. It is. It, uh, 
And, you know, again, it's vibrational. Totally. So um, we touch and we send our vibrations through our hands. And so that particular teacher has a gift of being able to send calm, Mm -hmm. you know, right into the probably the solar plexus Mm -hmm. maybe of that child Mm -hmm. and say, woo, you know, let's bring it down Mm -hmm. a couple of notches. Mm -hmm. And they feel that. So it's not a, a reprimand as much as it is just sending that energy in that says, okay, let's find that quiet spot. Well, it's the same thing doing body work. The first, mm-hmm. just initially putting your hands on the client. Right. That that predicates the whole massage. It does. It does. I, I do energy work on, on people occasionally uh, when requested. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, as a, a Reiki master, I don't use the typical Reiki symbols at all. I just do what I call energy work, but that's how I start it, is, is I put my hands on them and I want to sync my vibrations with theirs. And then I kind of know where their issues are too because I can feel those. Um, if you're going to create intimacy in a relationship, now we're gonna be looking at these last you know, two components of spirituality and intimacy together. But if you're going to, um, you know, I think you have to create desire. And we touched on that very briefly uh, in part two. But desire is all about creativity. Hmm. You know, hmm. and going back to Bruce Lipton and what he said, we only spend 5% of our time in creativity. So how do you bring creativity into the bedroom? You know, what do you maybe do? And for me, it might be special lighting or candles or music. Um, you know, I mean, you can do a lot of different things that are visual, but you can also do auditory, you know, you can also do sense, you know, with, um, you know, the aromas from a masculine point of view. Well, I think I've been, I've heard, and I, maybe you can comment on this, that women are more auditory. Um, what they hear is builds desire Mm. and men what they see. Okay. So they're more visual. So I think that if you understand that, then maybe for for the male, it's what you have to say. You know, words that you would say, whether it's, you know, before, during, or after mm-hmm. any kind of intimacy. Not so much the look. Mm-hmm. But for the guys, um, you know, it may have... It doesn't mean that they have to have, um, you know, a runway model with them. Right. But it's, it's um, I think I would just play with that. Then everybody's going to be a little bit different. I, that's what I focus, I, I look at, you know, the, the whole thing starts, you know, it starts in the living room or it starts in the kitchen. It does, it may end up somewhere else. Right. But it, I use words. I try to. I try to be better at that. And, you know, it can be, but they have to be real. It can't be BS stuff that you're, you're just some, coming off some script you think they're going to want to hear. Exactly, because they'll turn around and look at you and go, and what do you want? <laughs> right, right. Okay, I see where this is going. <laughs> right. If it's out of character, but and then this is it. If it's out of character, they know that it's, it's goal-oriented. Right. So basically, you prepare as a guy. You prepare the scenario whenever it happens on a regular basis mm-hmm. by listening. Mm-hmm. And when you... Part of this, I think, I told, I actually told my wife when we were first married, I said, you know the sexiest part of a woman? And of course, she's rolling her eyes and she said, oh God, what's he going to say now? <laughs> and I said, it's her ears. And he said, what? And I said, because 
men find it so attractive when a woman actually listens to them. Oh. And how many guys go astray and just because they found someone who is listen. who'll listen to them. Mm-hmm. But I think and I think it goes both ways though. I think so. I think it goes both ways. The uh, the ability to listen and then what you have to say is reflecting that you are totally present for them. That's that's builds desire. That's an attractive thing. Mm-hmm. Because it, that, that's going straight for the core. Right. That's going and and you know the look it doesn't matter what the woman looks like for the guy as much as um you know, I'm, I'm saying a guy would read body language. A guy would, maybe a look on on a face. Mm-hmm. You know, you see you see people acting in movies, and you see that a woman, an actress, who's able to give that look, just a little bit of a look. The guy's visual. That's a visual cue for him. Mm-hmm. I think guys pick up on visual cues. Women more often. I know I'm generalizing, but um, auditory women pick up on auditory cues. So that's my that's my two mm-hmm. cents worth on preparing. I mean. Um, Make creating ambiance in, in an environment is a great thing. Right. Well, one of the things that I think is pretty cool that we can do, you know, yeah. creatively, um, if people decide they, you know, want to play with this, it, it's fun. And that's to create a different setting than mm-hmm. actually even the bedroom. So you might be in bed, mm-hmm. but you can kind of say to each other, you know, where would you like to be? So maybe it's a deserted beach. Mm. Uh, maybe it is a forest. Maybe it's a mountaintop. You know, and so you visually create. Yeah, created into yeah, a visualization. Yeah. yeah. And and then you can be the characters in that visualization that mm-hmm. you've created. So, you know, that kind of can give it a little bit of a, um, a creative desirability uh, edge that mm-hmm. you might not have otherwise. Um, I think another key for men and women that they don't do very often is ask for what they need. Mm. Um, a lot of men, uh, especially as they age, if they have health issues, may not be able to um, you know, have an erection anymore. But that doesn't mean they don't need to be touched. And it right. doesn't mean that they don't need to be hugged or caressed or something like that. And so I have found you know, in pro- professional counseling that a guy will say to me in his own private session, you know, I don't know what to do because... I can't give her what she probably wants. And I've had the same thing coming from um, a female Mm -hmm. where they'll say, well, you know, I don't want to go down that road because I know it'll make him feel bad. Mm. And so, again, what would you say to that, you know, coming from more of a masculine perspective? Um, Well, I'd have to, I don't, hmm. I think that obviously communication is going to be able to talk to each other. To be able to talk to each other and, um, being creative is, yeah, well, there's a lot of ways around a problem, mm-hmm. okay? There's mm-hmm. a lot of ways to be in, intimate. There's a lot of ways to be physical. Mm-hmm. And I think what you, if you communicate and, you know, see what people are, they're open to. Right. You know, there's, you know it's, not a, it's not one way to do it kind right. of thing. There's a lot of ways to uh, be sexual, be intimate, be um, affectionate, and... It doesn't always have to be the same way. It's a dance. We talked about this idea right, of a dance. Right. Look, when we were 25 years old, this is the dance we did because what we determined, A, we want to dance with each other, and we like this dance. And as you get as you get older, maybe, oh, we have to learn another dance because that one doesn't work anymore. But I still want to dance. Mm-hmm. And you get to be 70 years old or 80 years old or whatever, and you're saying, you know, 
I just don't have it in me to do the, uh, you know, that dance or that dance. But the foxtrot's not there, but how about a waltz? <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're still dancing, and, mm-hmm. it, and every, all the mechanics are the same. Right. The right. players are the same. The right. mechanics are the same. It's just now we're dancing a new step that fits who we are right now. And making sure that you hold hands, making yeah. sure that you're touching one another, even if um, it's just to go to sleep. You know, so, just that few minutes where absolutely. you're kind of unwinding and you reach over and you and you say, you know, either with a touch or both words and a touch, I love you. I'm I'm so happy that we're in this together. You know, speaking of holding hands, I have to share this is that uh, yes to everything you just said, but I'm this is the secret knowledge for any guys listening. Mm-hmm. When you're in public, hold hands. It has it has deeper vibration, deep, deeper ramifications than I was aware of, um, especially if your partner may have um, shared, you know, they're not feeling as attractive or they're not feeling as, you know, they're, oh, I feel like I'm putting on a couple pounds or your partner says, you know, gosh, look at the wrinkles, I got gray hair or whatever it is. <laughs> if you're in public around other folks mm-hmm. and there's other women out there mm-hmm. or and for her other men and you hold her hand, Mm-hmm. in public to walk, whether you're at the store or whether you're at the beach or you're walking to the park that is a public display of no I, I value you right and I and I find and it's you know it makes a big difference and we'll, when my wife and I walk in the park uh, together we almost inevitably hold hands and I, I watch uh, people watch and I've watched other couples younger much younger than us and the guys walk in like 20 feet ahead of Mm-hmm. His his wife and kids, and I was like, what? 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 I don't get that, but I see a lot of it. Right. The guy is, you know, because he can Separate. walk faster, but they're not. They're not walking together. together. You have to. It's just like learning to walk together. Some people may have longer legs than others. Everybody has to adjust their gait so they can mm-hmm. walk together. Mm-hmm. Some people mm-hmm. have to walk a little faster, and the other person has to walk a little slower so that you can walk together. Right. Which is, a, I think, it's a good metaphor for, for all that. But anyway, yeah. hold, holding hands is big. Yeah, I, and it doesn't I, cost anything. No, and and that's there's really nothing that we've talked about with these three legs that cost a dime. You don't have <laughs> to go join a gym. You don't have to take a vacation. Nope. There's all these things that you can do either, you know, creatively in your mind, or physically just walk out the front door and go down a road and see what you can discover, or listen to a new show and share that knowledge. All of these things can be done and you can fill these legs. So we're going to talk about the spiritual leg and how this all works. And I want people to really grasp that from birth until death, we are constantly leveling the legs. Because in some areas, we're going to grow faster, you know, intellectually, from school, maybe college, maybe graduate school, doctoral studies, you know, you're sticking information in that leg pretty darn fast and you may not be doing the physical so much anymore because you're an adult now you're not growing from childhood into adulthood but all of the legs need to be filled equally throughout a lifetime Mm -hmm. so when one gets a little bit shallow and wobbly then go fill that leg if you're aware that the emotional part of it is not working as much for you then take some time to figure it out you know become mindful of that part Mm -hmm. Um, in the spiritual leg, this is going back to understanding that we are 
vibrational beings. We are in that virtual bodysuit. You know, that's how we experience life, but we're vibrational. And you understand that better than most being a massage therapist mm-hmm. because you feel those vibrations. Mm-hmm. I understand it, you know, from another level too. But if everybody listening to this can just grasp that that's who we are, mm-hmm. you know, it, it doesn't end when we end physically. We go on. That's a big, that, 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 is, the, that is the other elephant in the living room. Mm-hmm. Because, and we've talked a little bit about this in, in this, uh, our three sessions here, but also in other podcasts that we've done mm-hmm. about this. Um, and, but I, I, and not to repeat all the other stuff that we've talked about, but I think that is, if, if you're working, both you and your partner are working off that basic joint understanding, mm-hmm. that is huge. That is huge. Absolutely. I mean, that is, that is like really important. Right. Because then it takes it out of just the mundane of, oh, we met each other, we have some things in common, we're raising our kids together, you know, maybe it's a second or third marriage, maybe it's not a marriage at all, and they're just seeing it as the mundane, Mm -hmm. and they don't understand what it really, really means on that spiritual level, that you are sharing frequencies with each other. Um, How about having a joint purpose on that? spiritual level that if you are in a relationship that there is a reason for your being together that maybe is bigger than the two of you well i think that um that's one of the i think one of the big i want to say advantages of um, my relationship with my wife is that the physical we both come from the same hearts heart place mm-hmm. so if a decision has to come up about um leveraging her resources in a certain way um and she wants she says you know so and so needs some help i want to give them this mm-hmm. we're both simpatico on that we we you know one of us isn't going no they didn't work for it they didn't do you know that kind of mindset we're very we've danced very nicely with that because we we our lives have been uh, from the very beginning together we've been with kids and um grandkids and a lot of different difficult situations with family stuff and all these things together but we have come from the same heart place mm-hmm. to respond to these challenges so you hear the other person's message and we heart. have the same value mm-hmm. the same value and and trying to formulate a compassionate response and and what does that compassionate response look like right and we we we, we talk the same language right. on that in that particular and everything else can be what it is mm-hmm. but if you've got one person who doesn't come from that place and that, that and that place that common heart place comes from a mutual even if it's unspoken very much um under belief or understanding of what you just said mm-hmm. that you know this isn't all there is in fact this isn't what it's what it it's not about this we say this to, my wife and i said it's not about that isn't what it's about. It's right. not about us. Right. You know, it's, you know, what, what are your resources for? Whether you have money or time or talents or whatever, what is it? What do you have that for? Mm-hmm. Is it just for your entertainment? Right, right. Or is it to do something with? And, right. And it doesn't belong to you. It doesn't, you know, you, it's on loan. Mm-hmm. And, and if you've got a team, <clears throat> you know, like a partnership, like you yeah. and your wife, then the um, magnitude... Oh. might be a good word, is is so much greater 
So what you can do as a single individual is good. But, but if you're in a wonderful partnership, this never-ending love story partnership, yeah. then the magnitude of what you bring to others is huge, just huge. And as you said in the beginning, what, what we're here for, you know, love it. Just think if you can do, I believe part of this is that we have these individual experiences mm-hmm. because I think for the average person, human being, it's hard to love everyone initially. Mm-hmm. It's an intellectual conundrum. I can, how can I love everyone? Right. But I can love one person. Right. And if I start to gain range of motion and understand what it takes to do that and work as a team with one person, mm-hmm. then you have the possible growth capacity to team up compassionately with others. Right. And I'm not so sure, I mean, I, I, if people are listening to this, you know, it doesn't mean that we love everyone equally. Um, It's not the same manifestation of love either. Right. Because, I mean, if we had 10 children, if you talk to a parent Mm -hmm. that has a lot of kids, they love each one individually Mm -hmm. for who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're a man in Saudi Arabia, like I worked with a prince Mm -hmm. once upon a time that was in college. Um, Mm -hmm. I was his professor. And, um, you know, he knew that when he went back to Saudi that uh, his family was going to have an arranged marriage for him mm-hmm. and that in time he would have multiple wives. Now, did he love each one of those wives the same way? I don't think so. But there was dollars attached to sure. it. So with every child, you got X numbers of dollars yeah. for your family. So the more wives you had, the more kids you had, the more money you received. Hmm. And uh, so it was a very interesting, you know, perspective that he brought to me. But we can love so many people in so many different ways. And we can love, you know, the earth. We can love our pets. We mm-hmm. can love plants. Um, you know, it, it's up to us to expand that and make that part of our vision. So on the spiritual, vibrational kind of frequencies that we have, if you know that you have a bigger purpose in mm-hmm. life and that if you have shared a, a partnership with somebody who expands that like you and your wife have then you can do so much more absolutely. to bring that frequency into that arena absolutely absolutely if you're at odds of that if you both don't believe the same you know have that intrinsic belief or that intrinsic understanding that um, what your purpose is mm-hmm. you know I mean ultimately you think some people look for their purpose forever? <laughs> I think sometimes, probably, and I think a, a, a lot of times um, they misidentify meaning with purpose. Mm-hmm. Because meaning, when you say, what's the meaning of my life? There's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really a question that can't be answered because it, it's, it's like, what the, what's the color of the air? Right. Well, that's, they don't go together. Right. Those, right. The, you're asking the wrong question because meaning is an intellectual thing. Yes. Looking for meaning, but purpose is a heart-driven thing. Right, right. So, and and you'll feel it in your heart. You'll know if you're going down the right road there. Back to what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm making a decision with my head or my heart. Well, right. How does it work? Right. I know, you know, that, and you. it may hurt to, you know, you go, gosh, I don't, I know I need to do this. But boy, this is going to cost me that much money. Or, mm-hmm. or I'm going to have to give this up. Or mm-hmm. not, I'm going to have to postpone something. But you know in your heart that you're doing the right thing. Right. And that's when, if you have a partner who understands the same, works in the same place, right. you make those decisions together. Right. And even though you know it may, it may be expensive in the physical way, 
you're both working on the same page. Or even the emotional at times. On the emotional yeah. at times too, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, the the decisions that we make throughout life to kind of guide us. And, and I do believe in universal guidance. I think that vibrational frequency we have as humans, we also are guided then by a universal vibration that says, yes, you're going down the right road. And you know, you, you, you'll hit barriers if you're not going down the right road. Right. Yeah, um, it, <laughs> that's... Um, that's called karma. <laughs> yes. You, know, you keep banging your head on the wall. Right. Because the harder you push in the wrong direction, right. you, the more resistance you're going to get. You're going to get. Proportionate amount of resistance you're going to get. Right. One of the things that we had talked about a little earlier was, um, maybe it was uh, before the session, is about, and this is part of the physical, um, that meat goes into the spiritual, mm-hmm. is having unique experiences together something that neither one of you is better at or has done before mm-hmm. like go to some place you neither one of you have been mm-hmm. so nobody's got an upper hand and put yourselves in circumstances that you get to see yourself but you get to see your partner in a new light right new things about them you I didn't know you knew how to do that or I didn't know you were able to take charge or I didn't know you were able to do that right. and, wow I'm looking at you differently that can be sexy I would think so, and and I, I I think again we have to get out of those ruts. Get out of those ruts, yeah. This is the way we always do things. Therefore, um, because I know you know for myself, um, you know I have a, a friend who I spend time with, and uh, we actually last fall did a horseback ride mm. on the beach down in the Sarasota area, mm-hmm. and we thought it was just going to be a sunset horseback ride. Mm-hmm. That was going to be it. Well, that wasn't the case at all. I mean, if we'd done a little more research, we would have known, but we didn't. And so after we rode with a saddle for a few minutes going down the beach, then we came back and we got off and they took the saddles off and we got on bareback mm-hmm. and we swam with the horses. Oh, no, that's something. And in one particular case, the horse was trained so that we could hold onto their tail hmm. and we literally were surfing with the horse by holding on to their tail. Oh, my goodness. And so had I thought about that experience ahead of time, I might have gone, "Eh, I'm not so sure. Mm -hmm. Um, It's probably going to be one of the all-time most exciting experiences I've ever had with a horse. And I've ridden a lot. But this was truly, really just quite amazing. That's that's pretty unique. That's (laughs) pretty unique. I think if we get out of our, we get ourselves out of our world of, our triggers, our ruts that we're in, and we, but with our partner, mm-hmm. we also get to test that spiritual connection mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we're both we're all on different territory now. I mean, I I can ima- pretty much say if I was surfing, holding onto a horse's tail, I would be out of my normal activity. <laughs> right. And a lot of things come up, but you can. Mm-hmm. But I think also you have to make decisions. As, right. a, as a couple, right? I think of travel as one of the one of the better ways. You're not going to the same place you went all the time, right? But throw yourselves out there, get out of the box, and throw yourselves right. out there after COVID has calmed down. Right. And you're, nobody's on; they're not in their own. This, right. this isn't where I came from. I'm on different. I'm in a different right. place, different territory, different rules. And I think that that often you see your your spouse in a different light, and it it, it can create a bond. It but does. I'm it's because it's shared memories, like yeah. remember when, and yeah. it's something that you did together. Yeah. Well, I would love to continue this conversation, and we probably will on future um, little talks together. 
But um, as we close, um, I want everybody to kind of think about this as, you know, that table that's wobbly, that chair that's wobbly. You have the opportunity to take those four legs, the spiritual, the emotional, the physical, and the mental, the intellectual part of you, and balance them. Create your never-ending love story because you can do that. And you can have something that is so special and precious. And you're going to be teaching those around you, whether it's children or friends or church members, but you're going to be teaching those around you how to have this beautiful, beautiful relationship that then can spread ripples of love to everybody that you touch. You want to have a couple of uh, final words here? I I've, thank you, first of all, for... Um inviting me in this uh, three-part discussion that we've had and yes i suspect that we're going to be continuing some of these <laughs> things down, down the road and i would say um good luck to everyone with that because it is of all the things that's worthwhile to do in life and to put your efforts into this is it mm-hmm. this is the big tamale yeah i mean this really is the reason we're here this is the reason we're here i mean yeah. you say well, yeah i'll get to that tomorrow or you know, when I retire, I'll put all the time into my relationship or what have you. It doesn't work that way. You could get hit by a Mack truck and be gone. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, anything that we hopefully we, we offered, anything I had to say, hopefully it, um, it, it gave you some ideas at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, hope to see, hear, listen again. Yeah, it will happen. Um, one of the things that you'll see on um, the uh, podcast website is how to be in touch with Doug, how to be in touch with myself. And, uh, you know, we're going to be available for Zoom sessions, if you like. We'll also be available for individual sessions, if that's something that you're interested in doing. So um, we wish you nothing but love and happiness and joy in your lives. And please tune in the next time for the Synergy Connection show. Thanks so much, everyone. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.